Welcome to the Travel Like a Boss podcast, where we interview location-independent entrepreneurs that travel the world like a boss by being their own boss. Here's your host, Johnny FD. Hey guys, it's Johnny and welcome to episode 191 of the Travel Like a Boss podcast. I am here on my last day in Chiang Mai and I'm with Thomas Barlow. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah, so Thomas and I actually just met on a hike. Yeah, it was a good hike. Yeah. It was tough for me, I admit. It was a tough hike for me, but I appreciate it. But it was fun. And so we went from the Pilgrim's Trail, which is an easy hike, easy to get to hike, from uh, you know Chiang Mai in the city. It's about 10 minutes away by by bike or car. And then it's a beautiful hike, about two hours or so up to- Yeah, up two to, hours to the top to the temple. Yeah, up to Doisy Tap. And it's, it's a great way to get out there. And during the hike, Thomas was telling me about his, his life. And I was like, yeah. that's pretty interesting. Sat him on the show. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I, so, I appreciate the hike and everything today. I had a great time. Yeah, and it's something that I think people should, when they come to Chiang Mai, it's not something that is that common to do as a tourist, or even people who are living here for a while. But then once you do it, you're like, why wouldn't I yeah, take advantage of this? Why wouldn't you do it every day? Exactly. Yeah, I love it. So, what is your backstory? Where, where are you from? Uh, originally from Galveston County, Texas. You know, on Texas Gulf Coast. Um, born and raised there. Grew up there. Uh, Left, started traveling the world a little bit when I was young in the U.S. military. Um, after that, went did the normal thing, went to college, started the career and everything, and uh, got married and eventually got divorced and then decided I was going to start traveling again. So here I am in Chiang Mai. Yeah, that's great. But what's really cool is even though you have, what, six months a year off to yep. travel, you're pretty much traveling for free during that time, yeah, right? Yeah, my company pays for everything. I, I work one month in, at work and then one month off. They pay for everything getting here. So I'm able to stack the money as best I can, invest it, and do everything to set myself up for future retirement in about three years. So that's actually the, the biggest you know thing I think a lot of people want to take away from this. One is how do you actually retire early? Because you're going to retire at what age? 49. 49. And the normal retirement age is 65. Mm-hmm. And 55 or anything below that is considered, considered early, way retirement. early retirement. Yeah. So you're shaving you know, a good chunk of time off of that. Yep. But you're not just kind of working you know, 40 hours a week, mm-hmm. you know, uh, basically 330 days of the year. Or actually 330, probably more. People yeah. get, two, what, two weeks off? Yeah, most people get two weeks off and get off the weekends. I don't get particular vacation, but I get off for a month every other month. So yeah. it's pretty good. And when you first told me about this, it almost kind of sounded too good to be true. Yeah. It's a job that doesn't require. I guess there's a, some of them are you know are very technical, but there's kind of a job for almost anyone. Yeah, right? there's a job for every almost everyone. What I do in, in in oil and gas business, you know, I work offshore, and you mm-hmm. have different categories of people. You have electricians, you have instrument people, you have people that strictly operate valves, you have people that cook, you have people that maintain flight schedules, people that order materials, all those different things. There's there's a little bit for everyone in that business. Okay, so you know, pretty much anyone can find something to do, apply for something. If you're a smart person, you can find your way into it. The hardest problem is getting into the job. Once you're into the job, you can stay in it for life if you want to. Okay. And why is it that these companies pay you to to go one month, you know, one month on, one month off? Well, it's considered um uh I'm not sure what term they use nowadays, but it's uh when I was in the military, it was the same thing when I was uh, in Kuwait or Iraq or something like that, you're you're sitting there away from your home, you're away from your families. It's hazardous. So, I mean, oil and gas is no different than anywhere else. You take your risks. You have a certain amount of risk, and that's why you get paid more to do those jobs. Okay. 
And so I could, I could definitely see that. But why do they give you a whole month off? Like, why don't they just have you work? Let's say it all depends bit, on yeah. the company. Okay. It all depends on the job. My pr- present employer, we have a fatigue policy. They will not let you more work more than four weeks and they want you to enjoy your time off. But when you're at work, you're at work for 28 days, 12 to 16 hours a day, every single day. You don't get a break. You don't get weekends off. You don't get to go out to go see a movie with your friends. You don't get to go drink beer, you know. It's, and I guess most people would rather have that than, let's say, getting the weekends off or, you know, working a little bit less and just, you know, but still kind of just being bored on an oil rig. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's people in the U.S. that work one week on an oil rig, one week off. But there's no one that flies out or, or drives out to a rig once a day and then comes home at the end of the night. It, it's just, you know, it's isolated duty. And you have to understand that isolation, but it, the benefit is that it pays you more, of course. And there's also another benefit. I'm off for a month. How many people can travel the world for a month every other month? Yeah. And and not have to worry about the rest of it. So most people listening to this podcast, you know, we think about, okay, what kind of job can we do online, you know, while living somewhere, while traveling somewhere? But this is a, an alternative. I think this is actually like a pretty cool thought of, okay, let's say, you know, you want to have a job. You don't necessarily want to work, you know, for yourself and start your own business. You want to have the stability of a salary. You want to have the benefits, the health benefits. And you guys get a lot of benefits, yes, right? Yes, we do. We get very exceptional benefits and we're covered all over the world. In my case, I'm covered all over the world. But that's the thing. If you have people that want to travel a lot and, and typically a lot of people that are find a way online do the digital nomad thing, or they save all their money and then they just quit work and they don't have anything to go back to. And that that's hard for people to do. You know, there's not a lot of people that are going to be able to just do that jump off, but a lot of people do. So in, in a case of a, a position like that, every other month, my company flies me wherever I want to go. That's cool, right? And, yeah, and like, great. So could we do some examples? So let's say you wanted normal family life in the US, all right? Could, would they fly you back back to the US or I I get the way it works for me I get a certain budget to fly on as long as that budget to fly on is underneath what their budget line item is which is where I'm from so as long as it's cheaper than flying back to the US I can fly there and is that just because you've been there for a while and you're in a high position or let's say someone's just starting out? No, let's... it's just the rotational position. It's just working that position that I work in the country that I work in. Mm-hmm. All the expats for the, that I work with, all the company treats them all the same way. There's sort, certain ones that get paid a certain amount and there's certain ones that have business class flights paid for. And there's certain ones that have economy class flights paid for. So it's, it just depends on the position and where you're at. Okay, that makes sense. So let's say someone's starting out, you know, they don't have like high level skills. What What is like a typical starting salary and what is, what is some of the kind of typical benefits? It, it just depends on where you're at, what country you work in. Some countries paid more, you know, the, the U.S. obviously pays pays more than a lot of places. But if you go to Spain, you go to Kazakhstan, you go to Azerbaijan, the pay is pretty good. So, but there's there's guys that start off anywhere from 60 to 80,000. There's guys that make 180,000. It depends on how long they've been there and how bad they're they're needed in their resource, whatever they do. And is it pretty easy to save money while you're there? Because you don't spend any money unless you stay. You need to just make sure you're not on Amazon ordering stuff. <laughs> Other than that, I don't spend any money. Yeah, because I can imagine. So when you're there, I'm assuming accommodation is paid for. Accommodation, food, everything's paid for. So do you spend any money during that month when you're at the job? It depends on how many M&Ms my boss gives me. But we have a little store. It's a closet, basically. And you can buy a Coke. You can buy M&Ms. You can buy Hershey's bars, whatever. But that's about it. Maybe $10 a month. Wow. That's, that's insane, it. right? Yeah. Okay. So everything's taken care of. And then on your month off, so you work, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure you're working hard. You're working your butt yeah. off 
for one month straight, mm-hmm. 28 days straight, no breaks really, no you know, no yep. vacation, no weekends off, which you wouldn't really want anyways because there's nothing to do. Yeah, there's nothing to do there anyway. So a typical day would be you wake up, work. And wake then, up, eat breakfast, mm-hmm. you know, work, eat lunch. You know, um, you might have slow times during the day. You take those slow times. You talk to your friends that work there as well. Uh, you meet a lot of different people, you know, and then, uh, you know, after work, you may go sit in your room and watch a movie or you may go sit in the lounge and watch movies. Some people, we have pool tables, we have ping pong tables, you know, there's a gym. I'm not quick enough to get the gym before everyone else. So I never get to use it. Or, you know, you may continue to work or in my case, you know, I have businesses in the U.S. I go online and I can check on those and do taxes and pay bills and do whatever. So that's awesome that you 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 have this job and you still have businesses back in the U.S. Can you yes. talk about those? Well, I've got a couple of vending operations. Um, they're basically ice and water in, in Texas. And I've got someone that does the majority of stuff for me, but they're all uh, logic controlled. So they're all controlled by a cell phone. So I can check on the status on my cell phone and see how sales are doing or if we need to increase supplies or take money out to the bank. And, it, and I can just send him a message saying, hey, you know, you need to do this. You need to do that. So I can still be bossy. <laughs> That's crazy. So what do you actually mean by the, the ice and water? So basically it's a giant vending machine the size of a, a small 18-wheeler that you go up and you put a dollar in and it gives you a 10-pound bag of ice. Or you put a dollar fifty in and gives you a 20-pound bag of ice. And you also sells reverse osmosis water on the side of it. It's called Twice the Ice. There's 2,900 machines in the southern U.S., Oh, nice. Yeah. And is it kind of like a franchise model? How, yeah, how do you get into it's it? It's similar. You just basically buy the machine. It's not really a franchise, okay. but you buy the machine, you find a location, you put it there and you count your money. That's cool. Yeah. I it's, like that. It's, it's a lot of money for ice and water. Yeah. Okay. So how much does it cost to get started? With, with Those machines like are about a hundred thousand. Okay. So, and then how do you find a place to put it? Um, you drive around, basically. You spend a lot of time driving around. You look and see what you can find. And the actually, the area that we have the first machines in, I I drove around that area and I found one machine, an area across the street from where I'm currently at that I liked. But one of one of the guys that works with me said, no, this would be a better spot just because of access and, and egress for people coming and going off the highway. And that first spot ended up being perfect. I mean, it's constantly busy, a lot of sales, you know, do sell 50, 60,000 bags of ice a year. You know, it doesn't sound like a lot, but when it adds up a dollar fifty, dollar, you know, 25 here and you throw in, you know, ten, twelve thousand dollars worth of water, it always does good. That's that's amazing. And I think this is something that no one really thinks about because normally if you think about opening a business in the US, we're thinking about something that we have to be at. 12 hours a day, seven days a week, like a restaurant or something. Well, the beauty of it's not really having the people to deal with. I mean, you have customers to talk to and customers typically aren't concerned about it. If they lose their dollar, they want their ice. They want their water. They want to make sure it works. So if there's something wrong with it, they'll call you and say, hey, it's not working. Or in the case of the ones I have, they're very new. So they're digitally connected. So if if something happens, the machine breaks, it sends me a text message. That's cool. And obviously, you're not the one flying back from... You know, wherever you are in the world. Yeah. So, I mean, I have one guy that works for me and he probably works for me three or four hours a week, takes care of it and gets his little percentage and I don't have to worry about anything. But once you get it established, you can do that. That's cool. So this, I guess, can work really anywhere in the U.S. And I'm sure people can do this in other countries as well. You know, I have. I've gotten three people into the business since I got into it. And one of the guys lives in Alaska and he has four ice machines in Arizona. Oh, I thought they said in Alaska. That'd be funny. No, no. There, there actually is one in Alaska in a tourist spot. It's only open okay. during the winters. But yeah, he has four machines in, in uh, southern Arizona. And his father-in-law goes there and his father-in-law checks him once a week. And he goes there on his time off and collects his money. That's crazy. Okay. So 
there are about a hundred thousand dollars to to set up, mm-hmm. and then when you find that perfect location, how do you actually get the agreement? Like, do you just figure out who owns that land, or you, how you does figure it work? out who owns that land and you go into it and you sell it to them? And you tell them, uh, in the case of mine, I tell them, well, you have a very slow business because the. One is in front of a pizza store, but it's a very slow business. And I went in there and told him, I was like, your sales are going to go up because I'm going to bring more people in your parking lot. And he said, oh, yeah, maybe. And he thought about it and he called me back and said, yeah. And in the first year, his sales went up 30%. Wow. Just for more traffic being in his parking lot. I guess that really is a win-win situation, especially yeah, yeah. if he has a parking lot that's never full. Mm-hmm. There's you know, real, very little reason for him not to have yeah. it there. And he had a big parking lot and there's maybe three cars parked there. At any one time, because it's a takeout place. So there's just people come pick something up. And there's no real place to sit down. So it, he had the space and he makes extra money off the space and increased his business. Okay. And then do you have to pay him rent to leave it there? Or yeah, I pay like $400 a month US. Okay. And yeah. how did you come up with that, that number? I actually just thought about it. I, <laughs> I looked at, I did the research and saw what other people with the same business are paying in various places. There's people that pay $100. There's people that pay $1,000. You know, and I, I just came up with a broad number that sounded good and he accepted it and we signed a contract. And I think um, I hit five years in March uh, at that location. And I think my rent goes up an extra $100 in March. Okay. Yeah. So, so not it's bad. It's definitely a win-win for, for both yeah. people. I almost feel like somebody can almost frame it with a, a business saying, you know, hey, I have an idea to get you more customers. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, if I could get someone to walk around the state of Texas and sell customers, I'd have 40 of these machines. So do you think that's the the biggest bottleneck right now? Because I was going to ask. Like, yeah, the biggest bottleneck is strictly having people say yes to leasing your land. So I have three different locations that are perfect locations in and around the South Houston area. And they're, they're absolutely, I've studied them. I paid people $100 to sit there all day and count the cars. Wow. Okay. To, to see what kind of people come and go, to see how many boats come and go. And I've made what I consider ridiculous offers to where I'm offering someone $1,000 a month to rent a parking lot. Mm-hmm. And they still say no. Why did? Why would they say no? I have no idea. I haven't figured that part out yet. That's insane. Yeah, but there's there's three different spots just like that. One, it took me three months to track the owner down, and it's been a parking lot, and there's nothing else around. It's been a parking lot for seventeen. That was seventeen years, five years ago, and he's done nothing but pay taxes on it for yeah. seventeen years. So I guess I and mean, he still said no. From their point of view, like, is it if they want to get rid of you? Is it like a month to month? Do they just give you thirty days notice, or yeah, how's see, it work? In my case, I'm doing. I'm signing fifteen year lease. Okay, so long term. Yeah. Maybe that's why they they're hesitant to do well, it. Well, it, no, it, it never even got to the point of how long a lease would be with them. They didn't even want to hear about it. They wanted nothing to. They didn't even want to know anything about the business plan or how it worked or anything. They just said no. Wow. Okay. Well, I mean, I guess maybe if they think they might be selling, the, you know, the space soon. That could be a reason, but in, in the case of one, the the property was worth about sixty thousand, and I offered him a hundred thousand cash, and he turned that down too. That's so weird. Okay, yeah. so how how long does it take? Like, how many years is does it take to pay back that initial hundred thousand dollar investment? It took us eighteen months. That's the it. first one. That's it. That's fast. Yeah, and but we took every penny we made and sunk it right back into the business to repay for it. We put it in a separate account because we had planned on using that separate account to buy the second machine. You know, so we paid our back pretty quick, but we have a really good location. On average, mine's about 20, 30% higher than the Texas average and the national average. Okay. Yeah, I guess uh, all of you guys probably talk to each other or... Yeah, there's a Facebook page. Oh, wow. wow. <laughs> yeah. See, this is a, one of those passive income businesses that I never would have thought about, but it makes absolute sense. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's. I mean, especially if you have someone that's available. If you use um, the the distributor in Texas has forty four of his own machines, and I'm not going to say how much money he makes off those because that's something I, he needs me not to talk about. But he makes a lot of money. He only has three employees. He doesn't work them. He goes out and he's played golf every day, or he goes fishing, or he goes to the beach with his wife and kids. And is this something that people can finance to start? Or? Yes. Wow. Okay. You can. And the reason there's financing, I did not finance mine as I had the extra capital to put into it. But um, the guys that own the distributorships for Twice the Ice, they can find you people to finance it because they know how much money there is to be made at it. It's a good business. I, I quite enjoy it. You know, you sit there and you pretty much, you gum up the machine and it's all cash business, a little bit of digital receipts. You know, you have a credit card machine, but no one uses it. They use quarters, nickels, and you know, dollars. That's crazy. So before this, the only time I heard about someone having a, a similar type of business, I had a friend from Texas, ironically, that had a coin-operated car wash. I have a friend that has two coin-operated car washes, and he makes a lot of money. So what's stopping you from, from opening one of those as well? Um, if you open one of those, it's a lot more capital. In the case of my friend, he bought two of them, and he bought them at auctions where people lost them for whatever reason. So they were already built. To build something that much, that new, uh, the sheer amount of concrete is a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of concrete nowadays. Um, but he makes a lot of money, you know. His name's Kyle, and it's Big Wally's Car Wash in Kima, Texas. Ah, shout out to Wally. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, he, he makes good money. But like I said, it's it it's a little harder to get your foot in the door with a car wash. And you've got permanent land, and you pay taxes on the permanent land, and you know, they go up on your taxes. You know, you wouldn't think car washes would make as much money as they do, but they do really well. Yeah. My my, my uh, buddy that had one, he was crushing it. And yeah. I was like, why? And he he ended up selling it when he moved to LA. And I was like, why are you selling it? It seems like such a great passive income business. Yeah, have someone else run it for you. So you know? who knows? I don't, I don't, I mean, I haven't spoken to this guy in a while, so who knows if he regrets it, but yeah. it, it seemed like something he should have kept. Well, you know, and I thought really long and hard about selling my machine business and when I moved here. But it's easier for me to hire someone and pay them 7 8%, and still it's there. I mean, the longevity of the machine's 15, 20 years. So 10 years from now, I may move back to Texas and then start running it again. It's still going to be making money. I guess even paying somebody, it still produces profit, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and in my case, uh, we were $1.50 for a bag, for a 25-pound bag of ice. And I went up to $1.75 March 1st. And just that's just to pay for my employee. And it, he's contract employee, so that pays for his salary and probably makes us a little more. And we may lose a little business, people saying, oh, I don't want to pay for it. You know, but if, if they don't pay for it at my machine, they can go across the street to the convenience store and pay $3.50 a bag. So it's their choice. Oh, yeah. So actually, it is a benefit to the customer as well because yeah, it's cheaper. it's cheap. That's why it's called Twice the Ice. You get twice the ice for the price of the money. Ah. That's how the name started. And I, Okay. So what I like about this is unlike the car wash, which I thought was a great idea, I just thought... That's that's gonna be expensive. There's gonna be kind of Very more pieces to it. Um, the other the other kind of type of business that I've seen like this is a coin operated um, laundromat, which is, requires a lot of maintenance. And that's, that's what I remember from yeah. that. Now, in in dealing with the twice the ice ice machines. They're very, very well-designed engineering-wise, and the parts have been tested. You can actually go to the factory, and they have a machine that's sitting there and drops a bag, simulates dropping a bag, and it's it's up to in the millions, you know. But it's um, it's very well-designed. Of course, like anything else, it's going to need proper maintenance, you know, preventative maintenance, and you need to do things a couple times a year. You know, you need to grease levers, you know, you need to clean it, you know. You need to do the normal things that machinery needs. Is that something that you... Like from here, let's say it needs maintenance or from, you know. Um, it sends me a text message. 
That's that's amazing. It okay. is. It's pretty nice. And can you like can you hire someone re- remotely and have them go there and fix it? Well, in the case of this, uh, the guy that works for me, he does all the maintenance work. And before him, I did all the maintenance work, or my ex-wife did all the maintenance work. So it's still, you know, it's not that hard. It's not difficult. It, if you take care of it on the front side and do the maintenance and don't let it slack off, you'll be fine. Okay. So I guess if someone will start this. It's probably a good idea for them to learn kind of the basics, set it up, do it well, themselves th- first. That's part of the, the learning process. Yeah. You're not just going to be sold this machine. You're going to be sold this machine from a distributor who's going to show you how to run it. And I have a guy that's on call 24 hours a day. His name is Russell. And anytime I call Russell, Russell wakes up and answers the phone and says, what's wrong? And he's got 100 pe- 150 people that do this that call him. And that's his whole job okay. is to be there on the phone to give technical support. And he, he knows all the tricks of the trade. He knows all the little problems or the little things that drive people crazy. You know, but it, it, it's a good resource. And the company's not going to sell you this and say, oh, you're on your own. They're going to teach it. There's manuals, you know. I didn't read them, but <laughs> I went out there and played with it and I learned how. Okay. I'm sure my, I'm sure my wife at the time read them. So that's a, a great business. Got to hear about that because it's something that no one's ever brought up on, you know, on this podcast. It's been 191 episodes now. Yeah, that's pretty uh, good. So... That's actually that's uh, these are two things that we, we haven't talked about. One is the possibility of working, and it doesn't have to be an oil rig. People do this with like mining jobs as yeah, well. They, there's all kinds of jobs that do that. There's even service jobs. You know, there's there's a few jobs I know of out there where people fly from the U.S. to different countries to work in a hotel for a month, and then they have a month off and go fly back. You know, there's there's various sectors of private industry that have it. It's just finding your right niche of it. Or Alaskan uh, fishermen. Oh, yeah. There's Alaskan fishermen. There's For, for any of you young people that want to go on an adventure, you can go to Alaska and you can clean fish all summer long for a lot of money. But it's just during the summer. And it's a lot of hard work. I know people have done it. I can imagine. Uh, how much, do you know what they pay? They actually make pretty good money. The guys that I've talked to make about $65,000, $70,000 for the summer, which is about three months. And they get, they get, you know, there's some time off they get when they go into port and they go party it up and live it up and everything like that. But for the most part, they're working or they're keeping track of scientific data on fish collection for the government or whatever. But I know a lot of guys that have done it before. So that's cool. And, you know, that's something that a lot of you guys, you know, a lot of you guys can be thinking about that where not that you want to do this for the rest of your life, but if you're thinking, I'm stuck at a job I hate, I don't have money to travel, I don't have the, the time to do it. Why not, you know? sacrifice three months of, of your year, bust your butt, do something hard like cleaning fish in Alaska. Yeah, and then travel the rest of the year. And then, yeah, you have 65 grand. You can do yeah. a lot of that. You can see the whole world. You can save a lot of that. And, and, and if you're yeah. good at travel hacking, you can figure out how to get to places cheaper. You can figure out how to not spend money. You know, just like we had a, a, a little bit of a travel hack today where we were using Uber, where I had a code for Uber. So it cost us 15 baht to get back. Some people don't know the codes exist. You just have to look for them. Yeah. So, at $65,000, technically someone could work three months every other, other year. year and make it here. Yeah, and be able to travel really, you know, to any places like Thailand or, you know, anywhere that's not super expensive in the world. And even smarter, what you could do is you can say, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna quit my job. I'm going to go work for these three months. I'm going to take that 65000 use that to bootstrap and live in a cheap place like Chiang Mai. And then I'll have two years to start a business. And by the end of it, if it doesn't work out somehow, you can you can always go back clean fish again, yeah. and you have another two years to start another business. Well, you know, if you think about different jobs like that, it just people don't know where to find them. You just have to look for them. You know, the the, the fish cleaning jobs. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people, especially U.S. based people that watch your podcast and stuff, they've seen Deadliest Catch. It's the same thing. 
It's the same boats they deliver the crab to or the same, you know, Adak Island where they take the crab to be processed. It's no different. There's, there's crab processing centers. There's fish processing centers. People just go there and work during the season. And is this something, I mean, I can't, I can't imagine someone like going to school to learn how to process no. fish or crab. What they want, when those jobs, they hire young people straight out of high school or, or taking a year off from college that, that want to go do something different and just want to work a little bit here. And, and a lot of it's, you know, younger kids, less than, you know, 27, 28 years old. And there's some people I know that have been doing it for years. They do it every summer. So no experience needed. Nope. They'll train you. I know one guy that lives in Alaska who's a school teacher, and during the summer, that's what he does to go make money. But An extra he, 65 grand. It's a lot. Yeah. He's trying to do the, the fire, the financially independent retire early. So he's, he goes there and he works and makes his extra money every summer. This is a, such a smart move that people, I, I don't understand why people aren't taking advantage of this. I think people just don't know it's out there. People, people know there's jobs out there, but they don't know how to find them, how to get involved. You know, that's, that's the hardest. Once you know what's out there, I mean, just in the last few years working abroad, I've seen so many opportunities that I could take in the future that I want to. You just have to realize those opportunities and take them. When I graduated high school, my choices were go to college or be a bum. That, uh, it was really it. That's your only choices. That was kind of what they're taught, what they teach you. Like, if you don't go to college, you're going to be a bum. Yeah, but, you know, half the uh, very wealthy people that are from the U.S., are there because they started their own business because it's something they wanted to do, not because they thought they were going to make a lot of money. They wanted to be their own boss. They wanted to be the, you know, not have to worry about working for the man. Yeah. And I think one of the reasons why I went to college and even after that, I got a corporate job was because I felt like I didn't have uh, something to fall back on. I thought if I don't make it in the corporate world, I'll never, you know, and, or if I don't get a degree, I'll never be able to make enough money to survive. And now that I even know about these things, I'm like, you know what? If I can make 65 grand cleaning fish for a summer, like I'm, I'm not going to worry about being homeless or you know, or being yeah, broke. The number one thing people want is they want stability in their lives. And it, it, if you travel around and work, you don't necessarily have that stability. But do you have that stability in the U.S.? I know lots of college kids have graduated that had a job, and now they don't have jobs. Or now they're working at Starbucks, or they're doing you know whatever job they're doing. You know, there's. There's lots of people that go and they spend really a hard amount of time and a hard amount of money in college and they don't use it. I'm a perfect example. I have three degrees, bachelor's and a master's degree that I don't use at all. So did you need a degree to get to get onto a rig? No, not for not what I do. I did not. But um, I already had them, so it didn't hurt. But my degrees are in general biology, so it has nothing to do with working on an oil rig. So let's say someone is you know, I, I guess out of college or something, but they don't have any like specific technical skills. Can, can they somehow acquire some of these skills to be able to get one of those $100,000 jobs on the rig? Well, there's classes um, depending on where you live. If you live anywhere where oil and gas is big, Southern Texas, Louisiana, uh, certain parts of Chicago, you know, the North where they have classes and they, they call it process technology and it just tells you how it works. But one of the things companies want nowadays is they want people that don't have the skills because they want to train them themselves in the way they want them to perform. So people from one company, say people from ExxonMobil, don't necessarily want to hire people from British Petroleum because of the fact they want them to be trained a certain way. So they'd rather hire people out there that don't have, that have the skills saying they can be trained, i.e. college degree, but they don't necessarily necessarily have the particular skills to do that job. They train them the way they want, and then they get the employee they want. That, that definitely makes sense. So if you guys are listening to this and you're like, okay, this sounds interesting, a scenario could be you 
you know, get one of these jobs, you get trained up, you work one month, one month off, one, you know, work one month, have one month off. During that month you're working, you're not spending any money, so you're saving up 100% of your, your salary, minus the $10 you, you spend on M&Ms. on M&Ms. And then on your month off, you get a free plane ticket to really anywhere, anywhere you want to go. Anywhere you want to go. And can it be different every month, or do you have to choose it, a place? It can be. Um, for me, I'm using Chiang Mai as a hub. But uh, I could pretty much fly anywhere I wanted to if I if I chose to. Okay, so then you could fly anywhere in the world you want for a month, and as long as you guys stay somewhere cheap, actually, is accommodation included, or, or is that is it not during that month that you have off? Is what do you get a, your? Well, it, your, it, it's different. My case is a lot different. Than everything else, but typically the accommodation isn't. My case is a little bit different, but um, a lot of people, you know, a lot of the guys that work with me, they work all over the world. There's five seven of us maybe in thailand there's some in spain there's some in australia there's some in the uk back at home uh there's some that go to the u.s you know just depends okay so i guess if you are starting out and you're not getting your combination paid for during a month off you could just come to a cheap place like thailand or you can go to bali or you can go to south america or something and as long as you spend a thousand around a thousand dollars during that month which is very doable in places like chiang mai you're basically spending, what, let's say 12, 15, maybe 20 grand a year in expenses. And living really well. Actually, less than that because you're yeah. only traveling for six months of the, yeah, of the year. You don't, you don't travel for the other two. So the only things that you have bills-wise for the other two year, two uh, times is if you have a cell phone back in the U.S. Like me, I pay AT&T $54 a month. I wish I didn't, but I do it because I need to keep that phone number, right? And there's other ways to get around that. But other than that, I don't have any bills in the U.S., you know, and, and my budget's $2,000 a month. I mean, I make more than that, but that's all I'm willing to spend. Okay. But if I don't spend that for 30 days while I'm at work, I can spend 4000 the next month. Yeah. So you can have a great vacation. Can you can enjoy it or you can save it. And yeah. that's really smart. So technically, you have six months off of the year. You're spending 1000 bucks per month while you're off. You get the free plane ticket. Yeah. And you're making hundred grand before taxes. That's ninety four grand. Mm-hmm. And here's, you a, here's another key point you got to remember too. If you're making that and you're not living in the U.S., you're not paying U.S. taxes because you got the foreign earned income. Exactly. Huh? So, so moving here saves me an extra thirty five thousand a year. I don't have to pay the U.S. There government. you go. And if you guys are from a place like California, you can first move to Texas, where you can get to a state that doesn't have income tax. Mm-hmm. Then work on one of these rigs. Only go home for a month of the year, thirty five days or less. Yep. Uh, and you can qualify for that the foreign earned income exclusion, which I'm using as well. And then now you're making a hundred grand, basically cash. I mean, I mean, yeah, you wouldn't have to pay a penny on the taxes until you hit it like a hundred and fourteen thousand something yeah. like that. Uh, and you're living for free six months of the year and eating for free, all your meals included. You have all your health benefits, and then you get to travel to you know five or six countries a year if you wanted to, or you know go back to the same place if you you know if there's somewhere you really like, like Chiang Mai. You can work on your your other businesses, whether it's having some kind of passive income business back in back at home, or, or you can start an online business. Yes, yeah, so you have an on, online business and, and you're a digital nomad. And you know, you look at how many people, how many people I've met just since I'm in Chiang Mai that that have online businesses, whether it's blogs or they sell merchandise or something, and and they drop ship it. You know, there's there's all kinds of way to make money. People just have to realize it's there and go out and grab it. Yeah, and even when you're on the rig, even though you're working long days. You're not, there's not really anything to do at night, and you have internet, right? So you could exactly, work at but, night if you wanted to. Yeah, and I and I do. I typically get on my laptop and, and do some work at night. You know, um, 
and it just depends on what I need to do. Some days I don't do any. Some days I might work for three hours. And I think that the idea that it's it's even possible, I think that's great. Like it, this is such a smart way to bootstrap your way to a lot of savings. Yeah, I mean, there's no reason why you can't save fifty grand a year. You know, or more, doing, or way more. Like it's it's insane. I mean, I think if you really budgeted hard, you could probably save. Well, eighty percent. <laughs> you don't need to even budget that hard. So if you come to Thailand and you're making a hundred thousand a year, and you're say you're paying six percent taxes, and you're so you're paying six thousand, you've got ninety four thousand to work with. You'd have to do an awful lot to spend ninety four thousand dollars in Chiang Mai. I mean, there, there's so much. I mean, when you go out and you have you know a nice hike like we had today, that's free. You know, you have some food, you have some transportation costs. If you go out and you drink beer all night long with your buddies, yeah, it gets a little expensive. But you're still not going to spend more than $2,000 a month. Well, what have you spent so far today? So it's 5.30 p.m. on a Sunday. Oh, you've, did you, you took an Uber. I Ubered for eight baht. Okay. But normally that'd be 50 baht, which is yeah, about two bucks. Yeah, normally about 50 baht, two bucks. I uh, had breakfast, which was 50 baht. Another two bucks. Uh-huh. Uh, two $12 or 12 baht bottles of water. Okay. Um, And then we had lunch when yeah. we got off the mountain, which, is which also- was 50 baht. Yeah. <laughs> so I think I've spent. Oh, and we had the uh, fruit shake on the. Oh yeah, we had the fruit top. shake up on top. That was that was forty baht. So I think I've spent eight bucks, ten bucks, maybe. Yeah, and it's a great day. Yeah, it's a great day. I'll go out tonight and I'll spend two or three more dollars. I might even have a beer after our hike today, you know. And and so what am I going to spend? Fifteen dollars today. Yeah. And if you do that every day, you're not spending much money. You know, some days I go out and I spend thirty dollars. You know, but it's still not a lot of money if you think back. To how enjoyable your day was today, and say you only spent fifteen bucks. Well, fifteen bucks isn't going to get you much at home in the U.S. right now. Mm-hmm. Might get you McDonald's if you're lucky for two. It might get you just that Uber ride. Yeah, yeah. U- Uber's quite expensive in the U.S., but but here there's so much to do. There's so much free things to do. I mean, I enjoy just walking around every day. Yeah. You know, but one of the greatest things about it is I don't have to get up in the morning if I don't want to. I can sleep in all day. So one of the other things I really admired about you is the fact that not only are you retiring early, but then you're not going to just going to be bored and you know have your kind of quality of your life just go away. You know, because I think a lot of people, especially a lot of the business owners I meet, their whole lives is the business, and once they retire, it's either they keep working or they kind of just don't. That's know what not to retirement. Do. That's still working. <laughs> Me, yeah. me personally, I'm sure when I actually retire from the oil and gas business, I'll work. I'll have businesses, but I'll be able to do them how I want to do them, when I want to do them. Or, you know, I could have people work for me and I could do nothing but bathe in the sun and hike up mountains and drink beer. Yeah. And you have a bunch of hobbies now even, right? Yeah. Yeah. I love to fish. So that's one of my big hobbies. Probably the biggest, you know, and I've fished all over the world and I'm going to continue that. In fact, I'm going to go fishing this week in Chiang Mai and next week in Phuket. So, I mean, that's that's one of the things that I, I like to do and I'd rather spend my money. I will spend more in three days fishing in central Thailand than I'll spend the whole month in Chiang Mai. Yeah. Okay. I see see that. What's crazy is you would, I think people that don't fish assume fishing is a very cheap sport. No, it's not. Or it's not, right? (laughs) No, it's not. Why is is that? Well, I mean, between all the things that you have, all the tackle and the places you go, I mean, I'm going to spend 26,000 baht, which is 800 and some odd dollars. For three days of fishing in central Thailand. But I'm going with the best guy in Thailand. His name's John. He's from Bangkok. You know, he's the best guy there is in Thailand. And I'm going to go fishing with him. I fished with him before. I'm going to do it again next week. You know, but it's because I want to go with him. If I want to go with someone I didn't know or someone that might, yeah, I could get it a couple hundred dollars cheaper. But I'm still going to spend more money 
in that three days of fishing with him than I'll spend an entire month in Chiang Mai. Well, you know, that's the, the good, like a good reason to make enough money before you retire. So you can actually do things like that. that you no, that Financially you independent, retire early. I don't know if that many of your listeners have heard about that, but if you sock away as much money as you can and you let compound interest work for you, you're always going to win in the end. Yeah. So we talk about that a lot in the other, po- the other podcast, Invest Like a Boss. If you guys haven't heard it, definitely uh, hop over and subscribe to that one as well. But basically, if you guys ever done the math on compound interest, it is insane. It is, especially if you start it when you're young. And, and I started mine when I was young, not as young as I could have. But if someone out there is just starting off, even if you put a couple thousand dollars a year in it, when you're in, you know, 18 to 25 and you see what that is. And when you turn 40, it's amazing. And there's calculators all over the internet that you can use to show you what you're going to make. Yeah. So imagine that if you can put, you know, two or 300 bucks into an account, into index funds or something else, low cost. And that's a big key that we talk about on invest like a boss is if you're paying even 1%, that's way too much. It doesn't sound like much, but it will destroy your future potential, your gains. But by having a something super low cost like a Vanguard fund or something else we talk about on the show, every what seven to ten years you're you doubling, your, doubling money. your money, and in years in this like the last couple of years you triple it. Yeah, and it's like it really is insane. And probably the easiest way to think about it is imagine instead of you investing the money, you had this money on a credit card, and you're the one paying debt on it. Imagine how fast that those payments start compounding, and and how much you start o- owing. It's basically the same thing, but in reverse. And typically people know that reverse side of it. They know that they have to pay this credit card. And it says you only have to pay $40 a month, but then it compounds. And by the end, of, by the time you know it, there's too much money and you can't catch up. Yeah. And imagine the opposite of that, where one day you have so much money, you can't spend it. And I'm going to be at that point one day. Yeah. In three years. Yep. In three years, three long years, but it's going to be good. And years go by really fast when you get to be, you know, my age, 45, 46 years old, um, you know, especially walking around Chiang Mai and then going to work for a month. You know, there's, there's lots of things to do, but in, in reality, if you get to the point and you save your money enough, you can retire early and travel around the world and never spend any of the principal money, just spend the interest. And that's what I plan on doing, just spending the interest. Yeah. And I think that's a big goal for a lot of people listening to this. It, it's, it like I think we heard about it in you know Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad Poor Dad or in a lot of other kind of finance books, but it really is the ultimate source of passive income when your money is making you money. And, and that's I mean for for you guys you know wondering why I spend so much time on the new podcast Invest Like a Boss, it's because it's exciting. It is. It, like, it, yeah. You can save a lot of money. You can make a lot of money. I, I originally started off one month. I was sitting there. I was married. Had a great life with my wife. Had she had a good job. I had a good job. And I was driving from uh, Galveston, Texas into Houston, and I was listening, and I heard a Dave Ramsey podcast on, on the radio. And it said, why don't you just go out and see, keep all your receipts for one month and see how much you spend. Well, I did that for a month, and I saw that we spent $1,800 eating out for two people in one month. And we started from January 1st. That, that was in November. We started January 1st, and it's been great ever since. Yeah, and now it's even easier where if you just put everything on one credit card, yeah. you can easily see at the end of the year what you spend money on and that's what i do i use a chase card and i i use i put every dime on it except for now that i'm here because it doesn't work that way but in the states i put every dime on it and i get airline miles on united for it yeah so if you guys are in a position right now you're like okay i'm stuck at a job i'm not i'm not happy i want to travel i want to be able to retire young 
we've just given you a couple solutions. And I know it's not going to be for everybody. You know, I'm sure some of you are listening to this thinking, you know, there's no way I'm going to move to Alaska and clean fish. There's no way I'm going to move and work it's on oil It's only three rig. months. Just remember that. It's, I know. I, th- I think in this generation, I mean, we are so <laughs> spoiled where our that parents, are. like my parents would have been, ha- like if I told my dad, hey, go clean, you know, you want an opportunity to clean fish for three months to make 65 grand, he would have jumped all over that. You know, he was making a third of that working six days a week at a gas station. And it's it's one of those things where we have these opportunities nowadays that really didn't exist before. And the fact that a lot of us just, you know, bitch and complain about our life not being, you know, as easy as we want it to be or not, you know, having the success or not being able to travel. If we're not willing to grind our teeth in the beginning... You're never going to enjoy it to begin with. Yeah. And and that's actually even what an entrepreneur is. I mean, the definition of it is definitely is someone who's willing to take the risk now for a future potential payoff. And, yeah. it's, you know, it's not even it's not guaranteed. But the a quote I read was entrepreneurs are willing to live a life that other people are not willing to live now so they can live a life that others can't live in the future. Right. It's no different than Dave Ramsey's beans and rice, rice and beans. Right. You're going to live on your beans and rice now. Later, you're going to live like no one else. So later you can live like no one else. That's what he says. And that's one of the things that I first started reading. And and I've graduated from from Dave and moved on. But it's still that way. If you work hard now, you reap the benefits later. Yeah. So even if you just did this, did this once and, I, and I'm not pushing the, the cleaning fish because there's first off, there's other opportunities like it. it doesn't have to be cleaning fish. I mean, you, you can literally go, you know, pick stems for, for weed in Northern California for summer or, you know, go, you know, there's other jobs. Just look around. I never heard of the the cleaning fish thing. I'm sure there's other jobs like yeah, that. Yeah, and that's just that's just an example. There's so much out there. You just have to use your resources and figure out what they are. You know, the number one thing I tell people and they ask me, well, how do you succeed in life? You use what God gave you. Use your resources. And with the internet, there's so many resources out there. You can find anything you want. You just have to check into it and look further. Yeah. So whatever it is that you find, be willing to sacrifice three three months. Not even three years, three months of of your life, and then either take that money if you invest it. I guarantee, if you took took the fifty grand or sixty five grand that you made in those three months and you invested it today and let it compound, you will be so happy that you had that when you you know in ten twenty years. Especially if you like, let's say you're in your your early twenties right now or even late twenties. Imagine if you had sixty five grand that you put into an account, into a low-cost fund or something, and forgot about it. That would make you so, so much rich. money. Yep. I had I had a kid that worked for me in Alaska when I was there working at oil and gas there. He came in and hired in with us at 21 years old. They paid him $82,000 a year to start with. Two weeks after his first job, he went out and brought a $75,000 Harley-Davidson edition King Ranch, you know, F-250 4x4, and asked him, I was like, what are you going to do with that? You can only drive it six months out of the year because you're at work the rest of the time. He thought about it and thought about it. And eventually he decided to sell it and invest all his money. Stayed living at home with his parents. Made all that money, invested money. Now he's 30 years old and he's traveling the world on his time off. And he's not worried about the money. There's so much you can do with it. So I just went on a compound interest calculator. Just you can Oh, just here we go. Google this is going to show you the real numbers. Okay. So if, if imagine this, you took three months of your life right now. Let's say you're... okay. What, what age would this have to be? Let's 27. Say tw- let's say you're 27, okay? You're 27, all right? 
27 plus 29. So let's say you wanted to retire when you're 56, which is pretty good age, okay? Which is good age. Yeah, still considered early retirement. And you wanted to retire a millionaire, okay? All you have to do is work three months doing something that you don't want to do, take all that money, put it into something like a low-cost index fund or something. Vanguard. All right, Vanguard, which in kind of um, – if you, if you look back, it has grown for about 10% on average per year. Sometimes it grows 30%, sometimes it goes down by 20%, but on average, in the next 29 years, most likely it'll go up about 10% a year, right? And the fees are so low, it's it doesn't take away very much from it. But basically, in 29 years, just from that three months of work, you'd have a million dollars. And and that's with market sitting the way it is. That's not necessary with the ups and downs you got altogether, and you could have 10 times that much. It all depends on how you invest it. Yeah, and it's like... If somebody told me after college, and this is at 27, right? Like if you're, you know, if I did this right out of college, I took three months off right after college before I started working at 25, it would be, it'd be even more. It'd be 31 years to, to go. I'd have 1.2 million. And if somebody had told me that right after college, they said, Hey, Johnny, you can either start working a corporate job right now, or you can take three months off, do this thing that nobody wants to do, you know, you know, break your back for three months, invest it all, invest all of it. And then just forget you own it. Just don't touch it. I, I can guarantee you'll have a million dollars in the bank by the time you retire at so, 55. So what your what your listeners have to understand is you're not talking about putting $65,000 away each year. You're talking about putting away once. And it sits there for 30 years or 25 years and you have a million dollars. Well, can you imagine what you could do with that if you did that every year for 10 years? Yeah. And put $650,000 in weighted you'd be worth five, seven million dollars at mid fifties. And then you could just laugh and enjoy your life. Yeah. I mean, you can technically, you can, and you can teach, you can, you know, as, as the example you gave, you can, you can follow your passion and you can say, you know what, what I really want to do is I want to teach drama. I want to teach art. I want to teach whatever it is. Or in my case, go fishing everywhere in the world, wherever yeah. I want to go, take right. every fish off my bucket list. There you go. All right. And like, there's so many things you can do and there's so much opportunity out there. And I, I wish – the reason why I do this podcast and I get so excited when I talk to people like you is we get it now. Yeah, absolutely. It took me – I wish I got it at a younger age, but I definitely get it now. And I wish somebody had forced me to learn these things or given me the opportunity to learn these things when I was in high school, when I was in college. And I didn't know this was a possibility. And that's why I'm so excited to be able to share this with you guys because – it really changes your life. Like I It mean, does. It can dramatically change your life. The, the number one thing that changes your life when you have money to invest and you have time to enjoy is the simple fact that you're not one hospital visitor. You're not one flat tire. You're not one uh, brake problem on your car away from being bankrupt. Yeah. and Or you could say, you know what? I'm not too worried about you know a retiring millionaire. I'm okay with that. I want to enjoy life now. This is another option. Say, okay, work your butt off for, you know, three months a year or do the one month on, one month off, and then start enjoying life now. You don't need to work at a job back home that you hate, that you're unhappy at, you know, in a cubicle or at a, you know, whatever job you have. You can start doing it now and you don't even have to be an entrepreneur. You can have as an option if that's what you want to do. Or you can do this hybrid model where you're working for a company, getting all the benefits, you're getting a stable paycheck, stable salary, you can still travel, and then if you want, as an option, during your time off, you can build your business. 
Yeah. Or, or you can, you know, there's some people that do what I do and they work other jobs or, or work their businesses, but there's nothing saying you have to, and there's nothing saying you have to travel on your time off. You can just take your time off and enjoy it wherever you're from. Yeah, that's absolutely true as well. And, but here's a crazy thing. And this is why I really want to bring this up is I'm assuming most people on that rig are not saving their money. None of them are saving any of it, except me and my boss. Does that not drive you nuts? It does, but you you can only tell them so many times. I have guys that walk by and they'll look at they'll see me on on my Vanguard, looking at my Vanguard account, and they're like, "Why are you here if you have that kind of money?" And I was like, "I still got a few years left. You know, I'm I'm not broken down yet. I'm only in my mid forties, um, but I'll have twice as much in a few years. You know, it, it's simple, and I, I probably look at my Vanguard account way too much and see how much money's in there, which I shouldn't do. But uh, you go out there, and, and if you compound your interest and everything, it it goes up really, really fast. Yeah, and this is you know these are things I wish I knew, and I wish that everyone on your rig and everyone working you know rigs around the world would find this podcast. And actually, if any of you guys know someone who works on a rig or works one of these jobs. Send them this podcast. Say, please fucking listen to this, and please, like, please comment. Please do something because I've met people who have worked in mines in Australia uh, or in you know other places in the world or on rigs, and what they would do is they would work their butt off that one month. Then they would be like, oh man, I'm you know now I get a party. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go something. party it up. I'm gonna travel all over the world. I'm gonna spend all my money. So instead of coming to a place like Chiang Mai and getting an apartment, what they do is they stay in a you know in a five star hotel for 29 days. <laughs> they go to the bar and buy shots for everybody. Yeah, ring the bell at the the bars on Lloyd Crow. Yeah, they like you know they start making it rain at clubs or at strip clubs, popping bottles, and they have nothing no at money. the end of the month. They got to go back to work to make more money. And it becomes this vicious cycle because, you know, it's it's probably not, you know, someone's dream job where they just want to work there for the love of it. They're working, you know, these hard jobs because it pays so much money. And I understand, you know, that at the end of the month, you're tired, you know, you want to enjoy yourself. You know, you're like, oh, this is my little treat. This is my reward for working hard all month. Yeah, but how much money do you need to spend to actually enjoy yourself? Yeah. And it... We spent 15 bucks today. Yeah. And, and we had a great day. And it's not over yet. Yeah. And the thing is, if you kind of just think about the future, you can enjoy yourself so much more if you just comp- let some of that money compound, you know, and just live cheaply for just even a few years. Yeah. And that's the way to do it. I mean, just like here, I, I didn't move to Chiang Mai just to live cheaply. It's just a benefit of being here. I lived here so I could relax, enjoy my time, not have to get up every single morning on my time off and go to work. Which I was doing back at home with the business. Now that I have people running my businesses, you know, I come here. If I want to stay out tonight till two o'clock in the morning, I can. Yeah, and that's smart because it sounds like what you did was you took the money that you were making from these jobs and you bought businesses. With yeah, them. exactly. So I bought the business and invested in that. And, and there's a couple other side side businesses that I have as well. But, uh, you know, you take that and then you start reaping the rewards from that. And eventually I could live off that now if I wanted to. But, you know, there's other things I want to do. You know, I have expensive fishing habits to take care of. And, you know, there's there's boats I want to buy when I when I do get done. Or there's places I want to go that are very expensive. And there's no other way to get there other than being expensive. So you've also hacked your hobby as well, right? Yeah, I have done that a little bit. So with fishing, it's such an expensive sport, things like gear, things like boat rental, chartering, and but you figured out a way where you can basically do all those things and 
not have to pay for it out of pocket. Yeah, I mean, you you pay for some, but you you know, I have a charter business, and uh, it's it's closed up right now because I'm not in in Texas. I'm in Thailand, but you know, I take people fishing, and I get paid good money for it. And uh, you know, it helps that I have sponsors that help me with boats and motors and gear and everything else. And you know, they they take care of the people that take care of them. You know, and and one thing I've always said about sponsorship, I'll never take money or product from someone if I don't actually use it and like their product. There's a lot of people out there that will. But in my case, I don't do that because that's not what I'm about. Yeah. And that's probably why you're going to be successful in the long run as well. There's so many people with platforms, you know, whether it's, um, you know, with fishing, but even like this podcast or my blog. People send me free stuff all the time or they offer to. They say, hey, Johnny, can you promote this product and I'll give you X amount of money? Yeah, but you don't always take it if you no. don't believe in the product. I probably like 98% of the time I just delete the email. I don't even respond to them. But then if it's something that I either use anyways or, I've or been something wanting that to you're use, interested and curious about, I'm like, sure. Like I would have just taken, I would have just talked about it probably for free because I yeah. like it. But it, but by the fact that the the fact that they either want to send me free stuff or that they want to pay me to do it or they want to give me an affiliate deal, it just reminds me, it gives me more incentive to talk about it more often. Yeah. And there's opportunities out there. I mean, there's endless amount of opportunities and, and I wouldn't have thought about the opportunity that you get from doing podcasts and everything, but it's, it's no different. I mean, I have fishing equipment that shows up in my house. I don't even live there anymore. The people that, that live there now say, oh yeah, you got a box. I just throw it in the attic. I'll get it when I get back. That's I have crazy. no idea what it is. So how did you get into a position where people sponsor you? <laughs> Um, I spent a lot of years. I took the money that I was making and I started a charter business and I, I became well known as a charter business captain and, you know, just because I liked fishing. And I originally started it just to pay for my habit, to pay for my boats, to pay for the travel, to pay for the gas. And it just evolved, you know, into, into something I love. And, and I always said, if I didn't ever like it anymore, I'd quit. You know, and I got to the point, you know, about two years ago, I was like, this isn't any fun anymore because I'm working too hard at it instead of enjoying it. So I laid off it for a while, started fishing some just professional tournaments in southern Louisiana, Florida, Texas, and had fun with it. And, and now I'm back to the point where I love it just as much. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm dying right now not being able to go fishing this week. But, you know, come next Sunday, I'm there. Yeah, I love it. So I guess the way it works is instead of you going out and having to pay charter a boat you're like okay yeah they pay me yeah and here's the thing is i think for most people that i mean owning a boat in general like if you're just doing it for yourself is a terrible investment it is it's a horrible investment i have had so many customers over the years to buy 60 70 thousand dollar boats that don't know how to drive them and when they do drive them they want to go fishing and they don't catch any fish because they don't know how to fish so what they they go with me one time for me to teach them how to drive their boat and fish and then they end up just selling their boat and going it's cheaper just to go with you five ten times a year yeah. I mean, it's insane that people waste their money buying things. I mean, it's like I wanted a Ferrari because that's like oh, my dream because car. Because you want a Ferrari. Right? And, but, it, the, you know, when you calculate how much it costs to buy, then to... The Volkswagen's a better investment. Uh, you know, or to, you know, maintain, to garage, to, you know, all these things. It is ridiculous. But, and I also realized... You know what? How often would I drive it? Right? And maybe if yeah, I because you'd be too afraid you're going to hurt it first. Yeah, and that's why people keep it in their garage. They may take it out on a weekend or something. Me, on the other hand, for boats, and it's an investment that I can make money off of. But I also spend a lot of time on my boats when I'm back in the U.S. You yeah. know, and and now you know I've got two that I've loaned to a friend of mine who's the dealer, and he's going to keep care of them while I'm gone, and he'll use them with his son to go fish tournaments or go fish with his wife and kids, and they'll still be there when I get back. Yeah. And nowadays, there's ways where you can rent it out to other people. 
And yeah, you, you can always do that. I mean, there's a lot of people that do that in the southern U.S. There's a lot of people that do that in Florida. Yeah. So I think that's a great, great idea. And I guess because you were so passionate about it, not only did you figure out a way where you can not only make money from it, but you can also you know, get good enough, get in these tournaments. And then people, I, I would imagine that those sponsors that send you things, they they see your reputation. They're like, okay, this guy endorses something. It, people exactly. really buy it. Yeah, yeah. people do. And, and with, you know, one thing about sponsorship and one thing about endorsements, the number one way companies make money off endorsing someone or someone else endorsing their product is off online media. There's such, um, I heard from a company not too long ago that was going to sponsor a tournament series I was fishing. And they said, we don't care if you get airtime on TV, get us airtime on Facebook. We'll have a hundred times more exposure than we do from TV. And, 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 and it makes lots of sense. You know, media has completely changed the way we do business. Yeah. So if you're going to go on there and you're going to post something and you're going to believe in this product and you're going to post it on Facebook and everything else, the exposure rate of, of all the social media groups, you know, whether it's Facebook or Instagram, whatever you use is so much more than hitting people with airwaves on the TV. You know, people watch cable and stuff because they're bored or they like a TV show. They don't watch it for the commercials and most people don't pay attention to the commercials, but you're just, you're, you're hammered with them every day, day in and day out. And, and sometimes they stick, you know, sometimes when you go buy something, you're like, Oh yeah, I remember seeing that on some show I watched. I'll go try that. And that's how companies make their money. Yeah. I think nowadays too, the reason why influencer deals are so popular or affiliate deals with, you know, people online is because it comes as a personal recommendation versus just an ad, right? So if I exactly. talk about something on this podcast, it's probably because I actually use it, I care about it, and then it just came up. Well, it's just like us talking about investing. You know, I, I tell people about Vanguard because that's what I use. I have another company that I have my 401k with in the United States, but I would never recommend them because I don't like them. Yeah. And the thing is, if, if Vanguard had an affiliate program, I would happily sign up for them, you know, but they don't. But I, you know, and but you I, still promote them from time to time because of what you believe in and what you use. Exactly. But I guarantee you if they had an affiliate program, I would just make it a point to bring them up even more often. And that's why it does work from the company's point of view is because then now you have kind of an incentive to to think about them more often or spend yeah. more time, you know, maybe writing a blog post about why I like, you know, Vanguard or how to get started with Vanguard or how to, you know, how to open an account or something like that. Yep. Takes about 10 minutes. Yeah. So I love it. Uh, I'm really excited that you know we got to hang out. Yeah, it was you... a good day. I, I I appreciate the you know the help. You know, it was a little harder for me. I'm not in nearly as good a shape as he is. So I had well, I, I had problems with going up the mountain today. I better be because I'm going to Nepal tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's good to spend your my your last day in Chiang Mai going out and and uh, hopefully people learn something from this podcast and you know ask you questions and just relay those questions to me. I'll help all I can. Yeah. I love it. So if people want to come fishing with you, how can they find you? Oh, I'm I'm on hiatus right now in Chiang Mai, so let's not talk about uh, that. There you go. My website's still active, but I don't want people to send me messages because I don't really want to respond right now. That's so funny. But you know what? That's actually a nice thing is being able to kind of go offline for a bit. Yeah. And that's when, you know, when people send me messages, send me emails, hey, what are you doing? I want to go fishing. I was like, yeah, I'm in Chiang Mai, Thailand right now. Just going to walk about. It's what I want to do. They're like, oh, cool. Well, let me know when you come back. So I can keep the business going. And if I'm here for 18 months or if I'm here for, you know, 10 years, you know, it, it costs me a little bit of money to maintain my website, but it's still the familiarity is still out there for people that see it. And there's going to be people that are mad, of course, because they want to go fishing with me. But it doesn't mean I can't help them. You know, I'll send them an email back and say, hey, let me find you another good guide that I trust. 
someone to help you out. Yeah. I mean, if anything, to be honest, it'd probably be a good idea for you just to get a, you know, get like a referral network and maybe get a small commission for referring people. You know, and, and we have that in and around the, the Galveston, Texas area. But you know, to me, it's always seemed like um, the people that own the referral businesses, they don't do enough to keep you there. And they just they just want a little side cut, which is fine if they did work. But in this case, you know, they have your name, your websites on their their website as well. They're not really doing much but hosting I was say, it. You should, be, you should get kickback for referring people to, to yeah to all my trust to all my guide friends in galveston i've never asked them for any kind of kickback for sending them charters and i don't want it because if they're not good enough i won't send my customers to them yeah that's definitely true i like it i, I love your mindset i love everything that you know we've talked about today and i love the fact that people listening to this now have a couple new ideas on yeah, different ways every little bit helps people and it blows my mind that 191 episodes in we still get new ideas on how to live location independently how to make money you know and be able to travel and also how to save for your early retirement yep there you go i mean early retirement it's you know and and if you work a job like i have you're not really early retirement because you you don't work six months out of the year to begin with yeah so you're enjoying life now it's not the deferred life program yeah and we're we're about to watch the sunset go down over the mountain i'm gonna go have a beer and some dinner and call it a day yeah, I, I love it. So uh, at the end of each podcast, what I'm trying to do now is just give you know my guest a few minutes just to rant about things that tips that they wish they could just put out there. You know, what it really could be anything you want, like life advice, tips, your favorite things, books they should read, gear that you like, whatever it is. I'm gonna give you the mic just for for a few minutes. Go ahead. Uh, you know, I really don't have anything that, that to say about that. Just enjoy life. I worked long and hard before I finally realized that I need to spend more time slowing down and enjoying what's out there. You know, you see a lot of things, you work hard. And one of the things that changed my life was I was walking through a grocery store somewhere in Louisiana and I was walking through a grocery store and I saw no one in the entire grocery store with a smile on their face. And it it was kind of upsetting because, you know, people should be having a good time and all that. And there just wasn't that. And I started thinking, oh, why are these people not smiling? And I finally realized they're just not happy because they're zombies. They go to work, they come home, they take care of the kids, they go to sleep and they go to work. The weekends are so tired from work and they don't do anything. So I didn't want to be like that. And I thought maybe, maybe I would get like that. So didn't want to. But other than that, there's not really much else for me to say. I just hope someone gets some useful information and uses it because if we can spend a couple hours doing this podcast and one person changes their life, it's all worth it. I love it. So if you're going to be that one person, let us know. Leave a comment either in the show notes, episode 191, or if you haven't already, please leave us a review of the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to the show. That really helps I spread the word. And Thomas, thanks so much for being on the show. Yeah, yeah. thanks for spending the day with me on your last day in Chiang Mai. Have fun on your adventures. Yeah, great. If you guys enjoyed this episode, please screenshot it, put it on your Instagram feed, put it on Facebook, send it to a friend, tell them to listen to it, and we'll see you all next week. Till then, be good, stay bossy. Thank you for listening to the Travel Like a Boss podcast. If you want to hear more, including the bonus, how to choose the perfect niche episode, Join our mailing list at travellikeabosspodcast.com. See you next week. And remember, if you want to travel like a boss, you need to be your own boss. So start your online business today and start living the lifestyle you've always dreamed of.